Welcome to the North Sound Church Podcast. For more information about North Sound Church, please visit our website at northsoundchurch.com. Well, good morning. Good to see you this morning. You know, it's really difficult to uh, follow that type of prayer with um, knowing Cheryl was was such a big part of life here at North Sound Church. I remember when we first got to North Sound Church and Brian was was not feeling well at that time that we took a youth group at that time to go and scrape paint off their their house and, and be a blessing. And of course, we've done small groups. How many of you were in their small group at their house? And yeah, yeah. So grateful for those promises, you know, that one to be absent from the body is present with Christ. And Paul's struggle, I want to be with you here, but I can't wait to be there. And so we're grateful for the hope and the promises that we have. So so be praying for that family for sure. Well, as we get started here, I was thinking, Bob, since you're in the front row, I can pick on you. But how many times did you walk onto that car lot and look at one of your workers and say to him, dude, you only had one job? You know, washing the car, maybe putting those balloons up or those wavy hand guys that attract people to your ear. You only had one job. And uh, and some of you have had that with workers or you yourself was that worker and you only had one job, but uh, didn't go out too well. Here's a few. Uh, you only had one job. So take a look at this one. Crack resistant cement. Guys, you only had one job. Fix your promotion. Here's another one. You only had one job. Now, I don't know what happened to this guy. Maybe he was going down the road and his coffee, I think his coffee fell in his lap and he did a quick one of those turns. You only had one job. Now, we've seen that sometimes. We see this little blotch of paint on the road that some guy should have just hammered that paint can one more time around, but nonetheless, it goes on for a mile, and it's that kind of paint. How about this one? You only had one job. (laughs) Come on. You only had one job job what would you do if you were that foreman and you came back from your coffee break to inspect what your uh, your worker did would you put your arm around him and say that's okay or were you like you know this just isn't for you just isn't for you okay you only had one job you only had one job f-i-r-e how hard could that be And uh, is that it? We only had one job. One more. We only had one job. Okay. Some guy was late getting his order in at the bakery. Called up the baker and said, just right, happy birthday. (laughs) And she took it literally, or he took it literally. And uh, only had one job. Only had one job. Too funny. I wonder sometimes if that's what Jesus says to us. Church, you only had one job. Go and make disciples. I gave you everything you needed, including my very spirit to live in you, to work through you. I gave you direct access to me through prayer. Every day you could just be with me in worship. I gave you my, my, my word to inspire you, instruct you, and help with correction in your life on a daily basis. 
just gave you one job. Reflect me to a world who's in darkness. We all have a call of God on our life. God has a plan for carrying out a rescue mission to the whole world, and we're it. This morning, we're talking about growing through challenging times and specifically talking about the call of Moses. And I'm so grateful for the Bible because it's full of ordinary people just like you and just like me with ordinary problems, frustrations, and failures. Some of those stories, you just scratch your head and say, what were they thinking? Like Samson, like he's a good one. David, I mean, the list goes on. In fact, every one of the people that God used was a mess up at one time or another. So we're in good company. And we've all made excuses. And and Moses was the king of making excuses. In not wanting to respond to God's call on his life. So let's see how God deals with Moses' excuses. And perhaps we can see some of our own just vanish away. So this morning I invite you with me to put our feet in Moses' shoes. And with the understanding that we are all called to respond to God's purposes for our lives. And more often than not we've all made excuses, haven't we? We've all made excuses as to why not to respond. So turn with me to Exodus chapter 3, or there's a Bible in front of you, or there is your your handheld device. I'm going to use the New Living Translation this morning. And I have some of that up on the screen for you. Chapter 3, verse 1. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he had led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai. Apparently that's how you say it. I always said Sinai. The mountain of God. Remember from last week, Pastor Barry brought us into the story. Moses was a prince in Egypt, the basket, and brought up, and uh, his, his own mother took care of him. But now 40 years later, oh, and, and he had killed someone an Egyptian. He tried to intervene in a, in a fight between two Israeli guys or Israelite guys. And they say, who made you judge and ruler over us? And he thought, oh boy, I'm in trouble now. Are you going to kill us like you did the Egyptians? And he runs to Midian, meets up with, with Jethro. And we heard the story from last week. And now by this time we're reading this, this is now 40 years later. Moses is now 80 years old been a shepherd from the whole time that he's been with Jethro. Quite a a different place than being a prince in the land of Egypt. Verse 2 says there, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. And Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing. Moses said to himself, why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. Could you imagine 40 years watching the sheep, protecting the sheep, looking for water, looking for green grass, going to a new place, going to the same place that you went to last week or last month, and yet this day was different. A burning bush. How many of you have seen that movie, the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. 
Remember that one? We have a picture of that for you. And this scene that they created was just tremendous. It was a blockbuster movie in its day. And I remember watching it as a a young person. And and in, in those days, we had to go to the grocery store and rent a VCR and bring it home and plug it in. And somehow we got we got that movie. Now we have Netflix and Amazon Prime and and YouTube. And I encourage you, just go back and type that into YouTube and watch this scene. But for some reason, they always use the good old King James Version when God speaks. So here it goes. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. And here's the movie played out right in front of you. Okay, Moses... Moses. Here I am, said Moses. Okay, this is it. Draw not high hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. So you watch the movie and it's the King James Version. It's really an amazing scene. And it's a powerful one. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I've certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yet I'm aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land in a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites... Hivites and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead the people out, my people, Israel, out of Egypt. How would you respond to such an event? Okay, there you are, a normal day. Maybe you're on a hike somewhere, and you turn and look, and there is a bush that's on fire and yet not burning. And then the, the, the bush starts to speak to you. And you start to speak back to the bush. And the bush says, here's a task. I want you. I think for most of us, that'd probably be enough, wouldn't it? Uh, probably be enough. Way out of the ordinary and just enough. Now, we're talking about a call. And yet Moses, like so many of us, have excuses And his first excuse, number one, and maybe it's an excuse that you and I have had before, and it's this, I'm inadequate. I'm not good enough, God. I did some bad things. I'm a murderer. I'm not a prince anymore. I don't have any credentials. I abandoned those guys 40 years ago. They don't want me back. What difference can I make? And Moses' feeling of unworthiness was a feeling of being undeserved or useless, valueless and inadequate, unqualified. 
I'm not going to ask for a show of hands today, but how many of us have felt that way? God, I've, I'm, not, I'm not good enough to respond to your call on my life. Maybe it's because of what we have done. We look back at our past and the, the blackness of our record and think there's just no way. Or our mistakes. What we have done or maybe what we haven't done. Or maybe what's been done to us, the abuse that we carry as if it's our own fault. We're not worthy to do anything significant for God. And we say, we're not good enough or I failed too many times. God, I'm not strong enough. I'm not worthy of the work of the Lord. And then God answers you and me as he did to Moses. And he says, but I will be with you. Isn't that comforting? I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this very mountain. Moses, there's going to be a day when you're going to be standing with me here again, and I'm going to give you those Ten Commandments. Don't forget the moment you first met me at the burning bush. Don't forget that original call that I placed on your life. And he whispers, God does to each one of us this morning, my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. All of those weaknesses, the stories, the brokenness, the mosaic of broken, shattered pieces, I'm going to put it back together and make something really beautiful out of it. In fact, I'm going to use that as a story for my grace to go out. So that those around you will see it and marvel. But that wasn't the only excuse Moses had. He keeps going. You think God's answer of I will be with you would be good enough. But he says, Moses protested, if I go with the people of Israel... And tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you. They're going to ask, oh yeah? What's his name? What am I going to tell them? Moses' second excuse was fear of rejection. His question was, well, who has sent me? What authority do I really have in this? They're going to ask me. See, the last time Moses tried to help out his countrymen, remember when they were in a fight, they said, who made you ruler and judge over us? So you could almost feel that uh, memory coming back to him. He says, God, they're not going to accept me. What am I going to say? They're probably going to say something like, Moses, you grew up in those, the palace. You were in that environment of all of these gods. In fact, there were over 1,500 of them. Which one of those, Moses, told you to come to us? Was it uh, Osiris? Was it the God of death and resurrection, the one who rules the underworld? Or maybe his wife, Isis, linked with funeral rites and motherhood and protection and magic? Or was it Horus, who is also a major god, the son of Osiris and Isis? He's the one with the falcon face and, or as a human child and he's linked with the sky and the sun, protection and healing. Or maybe it's Tefnut, the goddess of rain. 
and 1,500 other gods. Maybe, he, maybe they're the ones, the, the, the frog god or the, the Nile River god or Ra. Which one of those sent you, Moses? And what authority do you have? Today, I think we, we face many people in our culture and society who don't believe in God. Or question his authority or the impact we in the church should have. And there's a rejection in our society of the morals that we've held on to from the Judeo-Christian worldview. And now they're under attack and everything is up for grabs. There's a fear of rejection if we stand up trying to be salt and light thinking that we're just going to be mocked. In fact, it is difficult more and more in Seattle to show up at your workplace and say, yeah, I'm an evangelical Christian and believe in Jesus. They're mocked, made fun of. But like Paul, we need to be able to say, but I'm not ashamed. For I know in whom I believe and I'm convinced that he is able or like he says in another place, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is still the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes in Seattle in the year of 2022. So what's God's answer to Moses? God says, I am who I am. Tell them that I am who I am has sent me to you. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name. My name to remember for all generations. They'll listen to you, Moses. I'm not a very uh, good scholar when it comes to Hebrew and Greek, and I admit that, and I'm thankful for everyone who's done the work for me. (laughs) But this word, as I looked it up, in Hebrew, I am, is the first person common singular of the verb to be. It could be used in normal situations like I am, Taking my dog for a walk. And maybe, Finney, you should preach this part. Because you're a student. Or, I am watching the sheep. Or, I am his father. But when used as a standalone, I am. It just sends shock waves all around it. It's the ultimate statement of self-sufficiency, self-existence, and immediate presence. God's existence is not contingent upon anything else. His plans are not contingent upon any circumstances. His promises that he has said will come to pass. He will be eternally constant and he stands ever present and unchangeable, completely sufficient in himself. It's the same or similar uh, expression that we see in Revelation 1.8. When Jesus says, I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. No wonder when Jesus said, I am all of those times, I am the resurrection, I am the bread of life. People knew what he was talking about. You would think that that would be 
good enough. But it wasn't for Moses. The I am was promising to free the children of Israel. Perhaps some of us are afraid to enter into God's call because we feel we don't really know the I am. And in just a few weeks, Pastor Nancy is going to lead followers made. This opportunity for six months for us to grab a hold of the I am and our identity in him and discover everything he's meant for us to walk in relationship. And if you're in a place where you're like, I really don't know him, this is a must. Join with others in this family here and say, let's, let's be followers, not just believers. And discover relationship the way it's meant to be. But Moses protested again. What if they don't believe me? Or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Excuse number three. Response of unbelief. What if they won't listen? Believe me or listen to me. So in order to prove uh, the validity of Moses' claims. God gives them a sign. And he says, what's in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Pastor Barry knows that I like to do illustrations from time to time. And I was practicing all week. And I had this this staff I was going to bring to you. And I was going to throw it on the ground. And it was going to turn into a snake. It would have been amazing. It would have been the talk of the town. Uh, But it wasn't working for me. And um, so I decided not to do that. But throw it to the ground, the Lord said. So Moses threw down the snap and it turned into a snake and Moses jumped back. Then the Lord said to him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it and it turned back into the shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told him. And they will believe that the Lord really appeared to you. The people would see that Moses was not coming with his own authority or power, but he was coming with the power of God. And it reminds me of that verse that we can apply today. It's not by might. It's not by power, but it's going to be by God's spirit. That wasn't the only sign. And if you keep reading, God says, put your hand into your jacket and pull it out. And he does. And it becomes leprous. It becomes a white skin disease. And then he puts it back in and it comes out clear again. But God said to Moses, what's in your hand? And I wonder this morning if you lifted up your hands with me and you, you thought, okay, God, what is in my hand? What have you given me that could make a difference in the lives of others? Is it a talent? Is it a skill? Is it financial resources? Is it time that you've given me? Is it life experience that I have? Because God has created each one of us for a purpose. And it's these very things that he's given us or allowed us to experience that can be a conduit of love, of grace and mercy to those who have yet to respond to him. If our very breath comes from God and our abilities are a gift, then perhaps we should with open hands, surrender them back to him and say, how can you use what you have given me to make a difference, to be a blessing? 
One great example here that that I didn't share in the first service was was Kevin and Jennifer. Kevin is sitting here doing the computer and and Jennifer's out back. But they're saying, God, what have you given us? And they've partnered with the ministry where they are serving a whole uh, complex. Kevin, I forget how many people are in your complex that you're serving. A whole bunch, right? Like dozens and dozens. And it's through being a host with this apartment complex that they've entered in and they have the ability and permission to build relationships and trust. Serving the community, helping them move in, move out, build a community within. And then when people say, tell me more, they have the opportunity to share with them the good news of Jesus. Fresh expressions. We just heard that announcement. It's an opportunity for us to come together and say, okay, God, what have you given me? Help me to discover and unlock this with others. And say, how can we serve the people who are not going to walk through the doors of North Sound Church? And yet you've given me a passion. Perhaps you like to read and you want to start a book club. Or you want to do a Bible study like our friend Ralph is doing down at the uh, Edmonds uh, Center down there. Perhaps you you like to walk your dogs and you want to gather with other people and just while you're walking, throw out a question and point to Jesus. What is in your hand? Excuse number four. This is interesting what Paul said or, or Moses says. Moses says, I'm not very good with words. What if I get tongue tied? But Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I've never been. I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue tied and my words get tangled. Moses' fourth response to the God's uh, the call of the Lord was that he was unable to speak. But yet in Acts chapter 7, verse 22, as Stephen is is sharing the history before his soon to be um, accusers and the ones who are going to kill him. He says that Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in word and deed. Huh? Now he's really Moses. He's really making up excuses, isn't he? I don't know what the fear was within him to go back or what was going on. Josephus says uh, he was a first century historian. He wrote that Moses was a military man who became a general in a war against the Ethiopians. He was he was uh, uh, set apart by the Pharaoh and said, you take care of this mess up in Ethiopia. And he did. And he brought a great deliverance. So Moses wasn't just a nobody, just wasn't a prince dressed up all fancy riding a chariot for a parade. This guy was eloquent. This guy was a leader. And yet he says to God, God, I'm not very good. Maybe it's because for the past 40 years he hasn't used his gifts. Maybe he hung them up and they were so rusty. He, he, was, just, uh, he was talking to nobody but sheep for 40 years. And his wife. The inability to speak. Maybe he just lost all confidence in who he was. Maybe the Lord couldn't use him. Or maybe God just wanted a man who would obey his word and depend on his spirit. Maybe he, God just wanted a vessel through which he could show his glory, not Moses' glory. 
Verse 11, then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you and I will instruct you into what to say. Okay, that should be good enough, right? He's going to be with me. He's given me his authority of the the, the great I am. He's given me a, a, a sign that I can throw down at any time, which he did. And he's even going to give me the words to speak. But finally, I think excuse number five, we really get to the heart of it. Moses' plea, God, could you just send somebody else? Lord, please send anyone else. Verse 13. It's not an excuse anymore. It's a flat out rejection. And maybe it reveals the real issue. For every excuse God made, God offered a promise and provision. And having run out of excuses, Moses revealed that the heart of the problem was actually a, the problem of the heart. I don't want to do this. I'm too comfortable. I, I'm, I'm, I'm too afraid. I don't know why. But sometimes we're just simply not willing to step out and obey God. And God's response to Moses was, all right, Moses, you can do it with somebody else. And I got to admit, I like doing stuff with other people. But God had provided this answer way in advance because Aaron was already on his way. And God said, look, he's on his way to meet you. He's going to be delighted to see you. And we got to know that Goshen and the land where he was in, in, in uh, the place where he was in Egypt was a long walk to Mount Sinai. And God's answer, provision was already there. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth, God said. I'm going to be with both of you as you speak. And I will instruct you both in what to do. Sometimes it's, we feel maybe that God is calling us into a situation that we feel someone else could do a better job. But God calls us for a reason. He wants you. He wants you. Even if all the odds are against us, God is greater than those odds. So what do you think your excuses or my excuses might be? I don't have time. I'm retired, but I don't have time, Pastor Barry. (laughs) We chuckle because we've heard that. I don't know how. I've never done it before. I've never been discipled. Well, that's why we give tithes and we pay the pastor so he can do it. The church has never asked me. I still have faith struggles. I'm not ready. I don't know enough. But Jack Hoover has a master's in apologetics. We'll just have him do it. I've done my time. I just want to sit. There's this old song that says, as long as I have breath, I will follow you. In 1960s, in the mid-1960s, up in Edmonton, Alberta, in January, it was negative 24 degrees Fahrenheit. I mean, that's so cold that when you start your car, the exhaust just kind of lingers and doesn't rise, right? 
It's when your, your, uh, your tires in your car, as soon as you try and move, it goes kukunk, 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 because they're frozen on the bottom. Of course, everyone plugs their cars in. And my father was struggling with his call, that he was feeling a tug in his heart. And, and he had excuses, too. I, in fact, I called my mom yesterday, and, and she was telling me the story. And she goes, oh, yeah, I felt called, my mom said, because I grew up in the Salvation Army, and it's just what we did. We were all on call in the Salvation Army. But not dad. He grew up, his father was a coal miner and a piano tuner in Saskatchewan. And, uh, and grandpa was a really hard man and didn't want his son to get involved in ministry. That's kind of like a welfare job. He needs to be a mechanic. And so dad was uh, c- committed with, with my mom to go to Edmonton and for one year give Bible school a chance but he did not want to go into ministry. In fact, he had his own excuses. I'm not qualified. I don't have the training. And his biggest excuse was probably like Moses. I don't want to do this. I don't want to go into ministry. Mom and dad were newly married. and, And as dad was struggling with this call on his life, he says, okay, God, If it's really you calling me, then make it rain tomorrow. Okay, minus 24 degrees Fahrenheit. And he goes to bed. And he sets his little radio thing. And the first thing he hears when he wakes up was, I don't know what's going on here in Edmonton, eh? But it's raining out there. (laughs) And dad fell on his knees. Said, all right. Without finishing Bible school, as telling Pastor Barry earlier, they moved mom and dad up into Northwest Territories in Fort Smith and Hay River and started their, their life in ministry. You know something, we're all called, maybe not to go and be a pastor like my father did, or maybe not to move to Africa. Lord, please don't send us to Africa or, or start an orphanage, but we're all called. Check out these callings. We're all called to salvation. 2 Thessalonians 2.14, he called you to salvation when we told you the good news. Now you can share in the glory of our Lord Jesus. We're all called to salvation. Even those who haven't yet responded are called. We're called into fellowship, into relationship. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful by whom you are called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus. We're called into relationship That's why this followers made is so important for us to get into. We're all called to be holy. First Peter 1, 14 to 16 says, but just as he who called you is holy, so you be holy in all you do. We're all called to be saints. Romans 1, 17 says to all those in Edmonds called who are loved by God and called to be saints. I love talking with Catholic friends and saying, hey, my name's Robin. St. Robin. We're all called to freedom. Galatians 5.13, it says, For you are called to freedom. Brothers, only do not use your freedom for an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And we're all called to purpose. First Peter 2.9, that Jack read earlier, For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest. You are a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result... 
you can show others the goodness of God for he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are all called. You see someone hungry? Go meet their need. Thirsty? Give them some water. Sick? Go visit them. In prison? Go see them. The other night I came home from uh, Little Caesars because it's the cheapest pizza in town. And I came home and the boys opened up the box and there was a piece missing. (laughs) Dad, where'd the piece of pizza go? Did the dog eat it? Nope. Did you eat? Nope. It was a rainy night when I went to pick up the pizza. And as you know, often there's people sitting outside now on those pizza things. I'm like, I'm not going to eat this pizza. Boys can't eat it all. Maybe they can. Hey, you want a piece of pizza? Yeah, I'd love a piece of pizza. Of course, the boys caught me. They said, Dad, what was his name? I'm like, you're right. The guy had a name, and I didn't give him the dignity to say, what's your name? How can I pray for you? The other day, just uh, this past week with Josiah, who's running the cameras back there, he had his playlist going, and there was a song that came on, and the song said this. He said, I woke up this morning, I saw a world full of trouble now, and I thought, how did we ever get so far down? And how's it ever going to get turned around? So I looked up at heaven, and, and I thought, God, why don't you do something? Well, I just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty and children sold into slavery. The thought just disgusted me. So I shook my face, uh, my fist at heaven. I said, God, why don't you do something? And he said, I did. I created you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this story of uh, an unwilling candidate whose excuses finally faded away and through this person you brought deliverance to a whole nation and father i thank you for those in this room today many are doing wonderful things inviting neighbors over they're they're involved in community ministry donating here giving their time there and yet god we just want to be found faithful And so if there's those of us who needed this challenge to get rid of the excuses and do something ordinary, which is just extraordinary, then I pray with your grace that we would enter into that. And we thank you that you will be with us, that you've given us your name to walk in, that you've given us the sign and authority that comes for you. And you've also allowed us to do this in community with each other. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.